Welcome to the Clear-Headed Podcast. I'm Kate Madry, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. This is the podcast that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their sobriety. Super LA of me, but I like to start every episode with a deep breath in. So if you're driving to work or you're on your way to run some errands or maybe you're in bed getting ready to wind down, let's just start with a deep breath in and out. Okay, let's get clear-headed. It's the first episode of season two, and I sat back down with Sarah. It's not that our journeys are so different that we can't relate, but it's that our journeys are so different that we just have to talk about it. We discussed a lot of things, including the goal of this next season for us. But first, let's start with just a little intro to who we are. Hi, I'm Kate Madry, and I am your host of Clearheaded. I'm also a creator. This was inspired by, gosh, my life, my realizations, Sarah's life, Sarah's realizations. We have been together for a year and a half. We live together. We have a dog together. We are sober together. And it was early in our relationship that I realized that I needed to cut alcohol out of my life and really the point of this podcast and this season is to shine a light on all of the moments that people have and can have you can have you can join in on having that lead to making the choice to have a better life being alcohol free so should you choose in any time length because and sarah can speak to this more sobriety isn't linear and often it's experimented with before completely committing to in my journey with sobriety i really thought what most people think which is just i need to cut back i need to cut back i you know step one was realizing i didn't have the healthiest relationship with alcohol that i didn't like it and like i said in episode one alcohol was a constant for me in my life with my family dynamic just in society living in la out in the party scene with friends so i never really thought that it was negotiable to have it out of my life I had this fear that if I was going to be sober, then I would be put into the category of unstable, unsafe, destructive, just everything that I didn't want to be. And so it took me quite a while to come to terms with the healthy idea that alcohol just doesn't work for me. And that doesn't mean that I'm destructive or that I'm unsafe or that I'm reliable. It actually means that I'm the opposite. And that by taking those steps, I'm able to be stable and safe for the people in my life. And most importantly, for myself. That's my little spiel. Sarah, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sarah. I am a producer of clear-headed podcast alongside kate and my lover (laughs) yes and and her lover (laughs) i think sobriety is just such an important topic and conversation because it can be whatever you want it to be it can be a three-month break 
and you just reevaluate your relationship with it. And if you decide that you're fine and you like having it in your life, no judgment. There's also, you know, you can be sober for a year and then fall off the wagon, which is exactly what I did. And it didn't make me a bad person or unstable. It just made me human. Yeah. And I think those stories are really important to hear because... It's not just a walk in the park for everyone, but it's also not like the worst thing in the world for everyone. It's very, very unique and personal. And so, yeah, I just think having all of these different conversations with different people and hearing their experience lessens the fear around it. I mean, speaking of fear, like I just touched on, you know, the fact that a big reason why getting completely sober for me was the internal holdup and judgment that I had on the label of being a sober person. But did you have any fear or judgment when you were getting sober around sober, sobriety, non-drinker? I mean, non-drinker, by the way, wasn't even in my vocabulary. Until I thought people who were non-drinkers very- were lame. Which is like so crazy because I was so deep in the world of booze and alcohol and partying that I was like, oh, it's lame if you're like a non-drinker. But the term non-drinker is so, it speaks to me now so much because so does sober, but sometimes having the label of sober person is like very overwhelming. Like I have to take this word, apply it to everything that I do, you know, sobriety is you know whatever you define it to your point but i think in society we think of sobriety as okay if you're sober then you don't do anything else and i think we'll have conversations this season about how that might not be the roadmap for a lot of people there are people who still smoke weed when they're first sober in their first year and then realize it's still but see i would call that a non-drinker right i didn't even know that non-drinker was an option right for the most majority of my life because it's so here's the box you have to fit into it and i think with this podcast and this season what we're trying to do and what we just do in our everyday lives is normalize being sober normalize being a Mm non-drinker more overarching is normalize evaluating unhealthy relationships and stepping away from them before it's too late too bad too destructive too harmful so anyways back to my question which you kind of answered but you just thought people were lame who were not drinkers because you were in it but like yeah were you scared of being lame like where did that fear stem from Yeah, I think so much of my identity was tied up in drinking and partying and in a lot of different facets, too. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I was the cool girl. You know, I I would have parties and I would always have alcohol and I could really hold my liquor well. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of it was a claim to fame type of thing where I was like, yeah, I can handle my shit. And that slowly evolved with me as I grew up. And then, you know, I worked in the restaurant industry and I was very well versed on wine, natural wine, specialty liqueurs and specialty cocktails. The bartender was always like, you have a really great palate. And so I turned this obsession with partying into, no, now I'm, I'm like a mature adult and I know all about booze, which allows me to drink them all the time Mm -hmm. you know and for me drinking didn't really exist in a vacuum it wasn't like 
oh, I'm, I'm just drinking a lot. It was like the drinking then led into the cocaine and then led into the anxiety the next day, which led into like anti-anxiety medication. And so it was like, for me, I really think I do identify as sober because if someone was like, hey, do you want to smoke weed? Or hey, do you want to do a little ketamine or something? Right. <laughs> that would be not good for me and my journey because those things were very inextricably linked. Right. I was never just a drinker. It maybe started off as drinking, oh, a cocktail and then a bottle of wine. And then next thing I know, I'm taking tequila shots, but then I'm like, I need something to like lift me back up. So for me, I'm not just a non-drinker. I really am sober. And I think doing anything would kind of throw me off the path that I want to be on. I stand with you in that. I mean, I want you as the audience and the listener, I want whoever's listening to get to know me too and you and our story so that maybe you see a little bit of yourself in one of us, but I haven't done a drug in my life. I know. Which is really kind of crazy, but also not really that crazy because- Well, it's crazy you you existed in that environment for so long (laughs) without it like trying it at all. It's also really- fascinating to me and I know that there are people like this out there I mean I do I think I don't know what's more common I don't know what's more common to just do what I was doing which was like having this judgment on like drugs but then like soaking my (laughs) sorrows in like tequila and booze well that's society because booze is legal you can go to any right. store, any liquor store, any convenience store and buy – if you wanted to buy three bottles of mezcal and go drink them yourself, like no one's stopping you. There's not right. a limit on how much alcohol you can buy. Right. There's not a limit on drinking alone. Right. People might judge you if you told them the extent of it, but no one really knows and it's very normalized. It's very normalized to drink. Honestly, I know people who think it's completely normal to just drink a bottle of wine in a night and – Like, no judgment, but that just didn't work for me. It is kind of a slippery slope. And I'm saying it because I was on the slope. I mean, I I slipped on that slope. Me too. It does start with normalizing it. And that's a really good point. It is because it's legal. And drugs are illegal. And that's what I was taught. You do not do things that are not legal. I didn't drink and drive. Katie would get her car towed all the time because because she would just leave it in a space that she wasn't allowed to, but she would not drink and drive, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing that I think a lot of people, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm drinking and drinking is legal. And then it's like, it's not a gray area. You can never drink and drive. But I think when you're drinking, you start to rationalize it. And you're like, yeah, but I haven't had that much. And if I drink water, like I should be good. And I'm not going to get pulled over. I'm going to have coffee or whatever. Yeah, just like snowballs. But you were always very adamant about not drinking and driving, which is amazing. I I agree. And I do think it's amazing. I also just want to point out that I there's a lot of other gray areas in my life personally and morally that when I would drink, it would I slip. Know. Me too. And I think that it goes to show that, <laughs> I mean, to the average person that I was around, I was pretty put together. I mean, I had my boundaries. I had, I would say that I had a outsider's point of view a hold on my alcohol i didn't drink and drive i didn't lose my job i didn't i didn't lose a ton of money i didn't full-on ruin relationships in a public sense or that anybody really knew of yes i did internally but you know no one really saw the slop 
I mean, I think <laughs> you're like Sarah's like I kind of saw this lot. Well, no, I think that there's just like different kinds of drinkers. Right. Like when you drank, you went so all out that there was like blackouts involved and yeah. like I think at a certain point you couldn't you couldn't do anything like bad like get in a car and drive even if you wanted to because right. you were like past the point of return. Right. Whereas I was the opposite. I remember putting back like 10 drinks, 10 cocktails. And being completely articulate and like going to do something and then like later admitting to someone I was with, like, yeah, I had like 10 drinks and they're like, what? But were you doing drugs while you were doing that? No, I wasn't at Adjust that time. I just could really hold my alcohol pretty yeah. well. I mean, it goes to show that you can't really judge other, you can't and nor should you, I hope you don't, wait for other people to tell you you have a problem before you realize it's maybe not the healthiest relationship that you have with booze. We touched on this a little bit but I just want to share what the goal is for every episode. My goal is to showcase the diversity in everybody's story and the possibilities of where you can be at in order to join the sobriety culture. Being a non-drinker, you can join at any time, in any phase, for any amount of time to become healthier and to become a more authentic self without alcohol. So in all of these episodes and in all of these conversations, we're going to talk with people from all different timelines, whether that's try 30 days of no drinking, you want to do a full year, you want to set yourself up for success for the rest of your life, or maybe you had a misstep. I don't even want to call it a misstep. We got to figure out a word for that. Maybe you're testing your boundaries or you're in a situation that's going to give you more security onto the choice that you have made to be a non-drinker. And and sometimes that does mean going back to booze and realizing that it's not all it was cracked up to be in your head. That's okay. We're going to have conversations about that and how to process it. And I also, the goal is to meet you in the struggle and in the success. Because to Sarah's point earlier, it is hard, but it's not impossible. And there are so many stories and and moments and realizations and tools that make this not only easy, but fun. Um, I think you're going to like this. It's an analogy. Okay. It's like a cookbook and there are a ton of different recipes in that cookbook. Some of them you might like and some of them might just not be for you. You don't like cilantro. But the point is, is that you have a whole book that you can flip through and go, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted to eat. And that's like sobriety. It's like my story may not resonate with you or Kate's story may not resonate with you, but maybe someone else's does maybe you feel seen or you feel heard through that person and their experience and it inspires you to try it to taste it see how you feel about it yeah just get the the ingredients to make that Mm -hmm. said recipe to make that 30-day episode to make that year episode that's a great analogy is it an analogy or is it a metaphor? I think an analogy is when you say it's like. Okay, let us know. <laughs> We're really good at sobriety. We're not so great at the English language. With all that said, what's the motto? So here's the motto for me, what I think it is. You don't have to hit rock bottom to say bye-bye to alcohol. I guess mine would be like, 
there is no specific way that you have to do sobriety. You can find what works for you. And outside of that, there shouldn't be any judgment about it. Yeah. It's very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of space that we want to create for people. They don't feel judged. They don't feel like they're doing it wrong because there's no right and wrong way. As long as you're doing what's best for you and you're healthy and happy, I think that's the goal. Yeah. To examine your relationship with alcohol, remove it indefinitely or not, try it out. Don't look at your shakeups as failures Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up over it there is no super specific guidelines that are a one fit all yeah it's different for everyone and you're supported yeah this is a place you can come and feel supported yeah and we promise we'll be honest in our journey too no we're perfect and we got it all figured out we don't we don't sarah and i were just saying last week like wow we're so stressed oh my gosh i've never wanted to drink more and what did we do? Drink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. But we we said it out loud. And if that's the first tool that I can say to put in your toolbox is say it out loud. Or if you don't have anyone that you feel yet comfortable enough to say it out loud to, look yourself in the mirror, say it. And I promise you that power will decrease significantly if not completely vanish. Because for a lot of us, living with addiction or living with this unhealthy relationship with alcohol, a big part of it is the secrecy that keeps it going, that feels like we can get away with it. So when you let those voices and those temptations live secretly in your head, I feel like it tumbleweeds. Yeah. I mean, it has the control. If you're holding it close and tight to you, it's controlling you. And I think one of the things I learned the most from my second kind of go around is that sobriety has a really hard time thriving in isolation. Yeah. So say it out loud. Say it out loud and get around people that you feel like you can say it to. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just one person for now. The quantity is not the goal. The quality is the goal of people who you put in your circle in the immediate. So that's our first tool. Say it out loud. We just used it last week. And, uh, Thank you for listening. I cannot wait. Next week, we have Zoditu Jewel, host of Sober in the Morning, and it's such a good conversation. She's badass. She's so good. Her goal is to make sober sexy. And she's doing it. She is doing it. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. This episode was produced by Sarah Ashcraft, music by Honeydew, and recorded at The Wave. For more tips, tricks, and tools, subscribe to our mailing list by heading to theclearheadedpodcast.com and entering in your email. Talk to you next week.